All right. Thank you for stepping into the coach's box. Tune into another episode. This is episode 15 of our primary show. Man, we shared a lot of great things, a lot of great topics. Thank you for everyone who's contributed to those topics. Everybody has been listening. Appreciate the support. So for today's episode, we got NFL talk, we got NBA, and then we got some general sports topics. We got uh, some serious stuff going on. And uh, we're going to dig down into some of that. Uh, so we're going to start with the NFL free agency frenzy. So many players have been moved already. Uh, and so everyone talked about, you know, NBA free agency, how that's the best free agency. Well, the NFL is really catching up rapidly uh, with with players going all over the place. So we'll start with uh, uh, Coach Natty T uh, to talk about who are the winners and losers of the free agency frenzy. Yeah, uh, so far, I actually got to go with the Patriots, number one. Um, not that I think any of the, like, the names that they brought in were, you know, really make a lot of headway or says like, you know, it's like getting Randy Moss, like when they got him with, uh, with Tom Brady, and they're not like big superstar names, but collectively I thought they, I thought he did a pretty good job. Um, I like them signing Cam again, <clears throat> excuse me. Cause I think another year under his belt in the system and also just having a chance to go through a full off season preseason and actually having at least decent NFL <laughs> talent on offense. <laughs> I feel like that will help. So I got to give them credit. I mean, they've been the most active. So yeah. um, I, I give them credit for that. Um, number two, I actually got to go with uh, my local squad, watch the football team. I thought they've done decent, maybe – Maybe not as much with the quarterback because Ryan Fitzpatrick, I don't know if he necessarily leaps off your screen, but it's a, definitely an upgrade from what they had last year. Um, and with that solid defense and, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what they can do. Um, and then you have Curtis Samuel as well. Ohio yeah, State. So. He, he quietly put up some good numbers for Carolina. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because they got the Ohio State receiver tandem with Curtis, you know, Samuel and, and Terry McLaren. So, you know, we'll see. <clears throat> then, then that's another shout out to <clears throat> our conversation. Uh, I forget which episode it was about these Ohio state quarterbacks. Cause you see, they got, oh, they, got gosh. they got a track team as for receivers, man. Like look at that. They look at them two can fly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but that's besides the point. Um, the other big winner I'll have to say is actually Russell Wilson right now because it seems as if the Seahawks are actually listening to him. They brought in an offensive lineman. Yeah. So maybe his kind of quiet or, you know, passive aggressive um, tactics there is starting to kind of come to fruition. Mm -hmm. um, he's, he's still kind of in a you know trade rumor scenario so we'll see what happens ultimately but I think he's you know this the fact that they got an offensive lineman that was one of the things that he was really arguing about so yeah you know, I actually consider him a winner 
Um, losers. So I guess my top three losers, that's my top three winners, top three mm-hmm. losers. Overall, I'll have to say the Chicago Bears. I don't know what you guys are doing. <laughs> um, I think they tried to get Russell Wilson, as it was reported. Mm-hmm. Um, but Andy Dalton, mm, that, like, that's what you're selling me? Mm, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think overall from a position standpoint I think receivers have kind of taken the L this go around Yeah, because you can see like nobody's really signed like a big deal it's been kind of like 8 million, 9 million dollar one year deals now that could be because of the, the cap has gone down this upcoming season because of COVID last year so maybe everybody's just saying alright let me just sign this one-year deal, you know, before the TV money kicks in, as we, most of you may have heard, the NFL struck a new deal with pretty much all the networks. Yeah. So they're bringing in that back for real. Mm-hmm. Um, my last loser, we'll talk about him a little bit later, Deshaun Watson right now. Yeah. He's losing in several it, it seems like the Texans are not playing because he said, I'm not playing. And they said, okay. <laughs> we'll see when you lose these game checks, if you come back or not. Bet. So, Bet. yeah, I mean, it, it seems like they're not they're not messing around. So um, that, that's my three losers. Oh, oh, an honorable mention for my winners is the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the Cardinals on my list, too. I got to put honorable mention just because – I like the moves, but, you know, in terms of name recognition, but they are older. So, you know, we just have to see how that kind of mixes in. But I'll give them an honorable mention as far as biggest winners. So that's my list. Okay, cool. Cool. Coach K, what you got on your list? Oh, winner, uh, Dallas Cowboys. Um. One because we don't <laughs> we don't have Andy Dalton anymore. <laughs> <laughs> addition by subtraction, right? <laughs> yeah, addition by subtraction. Um, also, I mean, signing Dak was. I mean, there was really no other move to do out there. So, I mean, uh, I think we're lucky for the price that we got him at right now. Even though they could have got the deal done like, you know, several years ago. Let's go with that. Uh, winner, I think. I think the uh, Indianapolis um, getting Carson Wentz, um, reuniting him with the coach that uh, <clears throat> got the best out of him. I think he'll return. I don't know, maybe not like, maybe not like top tier, but he'll be like. I think he'll be a good quarterback for them. Um, they've got the right weapons. They've got a running game. Um, all the stuff that they need to be successful. Um, winners. Uh, I put also Arizona getting AJ Green. I think I think that he'll be a serviceable um, wide receiver for them. So I think that he, he just probably just needs a just needs somebody that can give him the ball. Yeah. So and they've got that with Kyler Murray. Uh, losers. Uh, Coach Natty T already touched on the Bears, and the Bears just suck. So. Um, <laughs> Um, 
also losers, Dallas Cowboys. I mean, we have <laughs> they won and they lost. <laughs> they broke even. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I feel like every year I feel like I keep waiting for them to make a kind of like a big move to to get something. I mean, I think I think we have all the offensive places in peace, but you know, defense is where we're really struggling at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, loser. <laughs> Uh, losers, L.A. Rams. I I don't think Stafford's going to work out for them. I honestly mm-hmm. don't. And uh, losers, uh, Detroit, Jared Goff. <laughs> Enough said there. <laughs> Enough said there. Um, on the Texans. Um, uh, losing Deshaun Watson. I think that's going to – I mean, obviously that's going to kill them eventually. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. This one was a little bit tough for me. I think there were some obvious ones that you all mentioned. And so I was looking to see who else did pretty well. A potential team that really did well in this offseason, the Miami Dolphins. Okay. So we got, we're going to see here. I wasn't a big fan of them letting Fitzpatrick go. But I think if you're going to go all in on a quarterback, you got to get rid of the threat to where your starting quarterback is looking over his shoulder all the time. Because literally you were taking him out of the game to put Fitzpatrick in the middle of the game. Uh, So you couldn't survive long term with that type of dynamic on the team. So now this says, hey, Tua, this your team. You're going to either play, play, you know, you're going to keep your spot. You're going to play your way in here. You're going to play your way out of here. Like, it's going to be that. But we, it's going to be on you to do that. Uh, they did find a new starting center, uh, Matt Skura. So, like, looking at the offensive line, I think that's going to be helpful there. Defensively, they were already sound defensively. Uh, that's Brian Flores's, you know, MO. And you look at Tua's career, he's played, you know, back even um, in high school. So you think of his high school days in Hawaii, like he always had a good defensive minded head coach goes to college, Nick Saban, good defensive head coach, where it's like, we don't need you to be a miracle worker here. We just need you to make plays. We just need you to make the throws. Don't turn over the ball. You know, we can win games like that. I think that's what they're going to be asking him to do really in Miami. Uh, And also you're looking at, you know, you had Devontae Parker, but he really didn't have a solid compliment on the other. Well, now you have Will Fuller, who, when healthy, is a speedy, deep threat that really loosens up a lot of field, um, a lot of yardage on the field for some of the other receivers to work. And it gives them a deep threat that they didn't have before. So I think Miami did well. I, I'm with you with Arizona. And I also say the other one, not just AJ Green. I think he's he's not a number one anymore. I think he'll fit well there um, being, you know, in the top three receivers. But Matt Prater, they also picked him up in the offseason. So you looking at game gets down, you need a dependable kicker. And Gonzalez wasn't a horrible kicker, but Matt Prater, like that, that man is pretty much automatic. Like he'll 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 struggle every great once in a while. But he's got distance, and I think he gives a vote of confidence in that team that, hey, we get the ball close enough, and we need a field goal, this guy's going to be able to make it. 
so I think that was an underrated pickup that we'll see this, this season. I'm also going to say the Chargers. Uh, so you're looking at a team that's rebuilding. And, you know, when, uh, you know, so Gates, you know, has, has been out of the picture for a while. And then you have Hunter Henry. And I'm like, man, like, why they let go? Like, they're going to have to replace him. Then they, they got Jared Cook. And I'm like, okay, this makes sense now. Jared Cook was tremendously underutilized under the New Orleans Saints offense. Uh, so I look at a young quarterback. Usually their best friend is the tight end. Uh, you know, and so having an, an athletic tight end like Jared Cook, I think, could fill in that Hunter Henry gap very quickly. Uh, could even stretch the field perhaps a little bit more, too, because uh, he's also very he's, he's dependable. Um, but yeah, and I, I wish for Arizona that they didn't get rid of Drake. They may suffer a little bit in their running game because of that. I, I'm a little nervous about that one because really that leaves you with Chase Edmonds, uh, who is a good back but it's not I don't think he's a primary back um so we'll you know to be continued on that one but those are my um you know my picks I look at yeah Chicago just completely squandered this entire process so I think I don't I don't know who the the people sometimes you look at teams you're like how did you get this job like really like I don't I don't know how did, how did you know what did you do what's on your resume that shows that you know what you're doing because you're really not showing that right now. Uh, so I look at that, uh, you know, the Lions atrocious. So I'm not going to go there. Uh, I will, I think the Texans atrocious. Definitely. I think those were no brainers for losers. I did have one more loser here going through my notes. Uh <clears throat> I think, I think the Titans lost in this too. I really do. So you lost John U. Smith. So now Anthony, you know, uh, Ferkser is the tight end. And Ferkser is not a bad tight end, but John U. Smith, I think, was on a higher level, right? You lost um, one of your defenders, I believe it was Desmond King. You lost him to a, a different team, one of your DBs. Uh, you replaced him with Kevin Johnson. I'm not so that he's going to be the best fill-in there. Um and then you lose Corey Davis. So I'm looking at A.J. Brown is the primary target, no questions asked there. But you need a solid number two. You need somebody to take attention. You know, you need someone that is like, hey, if we double A.J., we got to worry about this guy over here. They don't have that guy right now. So, you know, unless they make another move, I think they <clears throat> lost this period because Corey Davis put up monstrous numbers in a lot of these games. Trust me, I had him on my fantasy team. So, like, he put up monstrous numbers. I'm really worried about the Texans passing attack next year. Yeah, so those are some of my losers. Can I, can I add on to uh, Chicago? <laughs> Pour it on. <laughs> they said, I read that um, Andy Dalton agreed to go to Chicago as long as he was the number one option. <laughs> I want to be yeah. your worst quarterback. That's yeah, that's bad. That's I, all. I have no words. I have no words. <laughs> but yeah, we'll still, you know, it's still early in the game. Uh, there's still moves that are going to be made, but for right now, I think we have some. I think this is the period of time that separates the good teams from the great teams is what you're able to do 
um, with the resources that you have and with the flexibility that you have. And some teams have pure, like surely shown us that, hey, we know what we're doing. Given the opportunity, we can make some things happen here. Other teams have shown they don't need to be running the organizations. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think it was possible for Chicago to have a worse quarterback than Jay Cutler. Than Jay Cutler. <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky and Andy Tarver. <laughs> well, not even just Mitchell Trubisky, though. They, like, they traded away draft picks just to move up one spot to pick Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. Like, like that, that's just Mitchell. Like for somebody you clearly could have like just waited your turn for. Yeah. yeah. He was gonna be there. <laughs> yeah. That other team was like, Y'all want him? And you gonna give me what? Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Fine. Fine. Yeah, he's cause he's yeah, that dude's not not he's, it. He's a backup. I mean, I think he'll be good for for uh for Buffalo, like as a backup. Sure. Sure. But that's he can come it. in a few games. Black Nobody's Black. expecting nothing and play well, but you give him the Black. keys. Like, mm-mm. is Trubisky like fixing the sinks that are backed up or something? Nah, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's the backup quarterback for Josh oh. Allen. Yeah. In the Lions, but, uh, I just I don't understand the Lions franchise. I wish someone could explain the Detroit Lions to me because <laughs> I really don't get it. I don't. I mean, they forced two Hall of Fame players to retire just because they didn't want to deal with them. And and Calvin Megatron was and Barry Sanders. Yeah, Calvin Johnson was a little beat up, but Barry Sanders was healthy. <laughs> this man still right. said, "I'm out." <laughs> yeah, they both were just like, "I can't do this anymore." It's depressing. Yeah, I don't get it. I, I, I Megatron. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't understand how you can year after year just make bad decision after bad decision you get a new owner you get a new gm you get a new coach bad decision after bad decision after bad decision who they, they really need to be doing is firing their scout team they need to be firing people doing interviews with these head coaches and gms anybody involved that probably them them the people that need to go we so, believe in this man oh gosh all right anyway we're gonna move on to the nba uh what we're gonna do today is do something a little different we have what's called our all-time trash teams. Now, what this means is that we're not talking about an entire team throughout NBA history that we think is trash. We are constructing our own trash team, opposite of the dream team, if you will. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about our starting five for our all-time trash team. Coach K, you have been eager to get your list out there. We're going to throw it over to you, brother. Go ahead, run away with it. This dude got a whole notebook. I, I, I wish y'all could see Coach K right now. A whole notebook. He's literally turned oh, the page five times. Like, how long is this list? <laughs> I wrote down so many names. He put a whole league together. Like, we got team. Put together how long team. have you been keeping track of these names? <laughs> listen. <laughs> That joke says at the top, it says 2002, next year 2003, 2004. Like, my goodness. I got rec- yeah, I got records all the way back to 96. Oh, <laughs> oh, man. oh, man. This is about to be hilarious. Okay. Oh, man. So, 
it was hard for me to come up with these names, man. There, like, there's so much trash <laughs> that needs to yeah, be. Yeah, it's hard. You just flipped your notebook five times. <laughs> it's hard to pick out five names out of five pages. Hard, it's hard to pick just five. I'm gonna try to pick <laughs> five. All right, all right. All right. Starting. I, I gotta go with the worst. I've pro- quite possibly the worst, like number one draft pick in all of all time. Anthony Bennett. I don't Yeah. I I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who at Cleveland said, yo, we need to we need to make sure we get this man. Um I he actually makes Kwame Brown look adequate. Yeah. <laughs> like he the only the first time they ever uh a number one draft pick actually got sent down to the D League. Like that's that's how bad he <laughs> that's how bad he is. That's pretty bad. Uh yeah, he I got him at I got him at power forward, but I got an honorable mention at that spot. Carlos Boozer. Um, I I don't know. I, I'm like, how do you how did like I don't know how he like so, who in the Chicago organization like so we need to make sure we put him on our free agency list. Like, if you can't, <laughs> if we can't, if we can't get Melo or uh, or LeBron, let's let's call Carlos Boozer. Like, I don't know nothing about him fit with the squad we had. <sighs> Anyways, uh, starting center, I got Kendrick Perkins. Like, <laughs> like if there was. <laughs> If I could hand out a, an MVP award for just a person who is just like always make, makes the wrong always makes the wrong play, it would be him. Like him trying to run point, like him <laughs> doing a behind the back pass to the wrong player, uh, getting dunked on, everything, everything, I, and like I don't know how he got a championship, but he's an even worse analyst. But we'll get to that part later. Oh yes, we will. <laughs> oh yes, we will. <laughs> As starting, starting uh, small forward, I got Andre uh, Andre Roberson. That's a good one. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I can't. I, can't I, I mean, just can't. He can't shoot. He can't shoot. <laughs> he can't shoot. He can't shoot. <laughs> but I mean, my man was solid on defense, though. I, I'll give you that. That's that's the only reason he stayed signed to that team, and probably because Scott Brooks. Um, God bless him. Uh, I got I got a couple options here for uh point guard, but I'm I'm like. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Brandon Knight. Never in my life have I seen one man miss so many open layups, miss dunks. <laughs> or had this man said probably probably had more ankle surgery than uh <laughs> than anybody in the NBA. Kyrie um, got him in that uh was it freshman sophomore on the all-star game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, man. <laughs> Yeah, and then you get that um that infamous uh 
um, what's his name? Um, DeAndre Jordan Ali, wasn't that him that got dunked on? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's always in the wrong place at the wrong time. Oh, yeah, always. Yeah, that's a sign of trash. You got to have more court awareness than that. <laughs> <laughs> now, you got to see what's covered. Just back up, bro. Like, don't even yeah. drill. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> so, for guard, I got Danny Green. I uh, knew it. I knew he was going to put that. He a yeah. three-time champion? <laughs> I don't care if he is. I don't care if he has four. <laughs> he got three on three different teams, and he's still trash. <laughs> <laughs> you know you're trash when – I mean, obviously, like, the, the shot he <laughs> – like <laughs> – he was the first person on the Lakers squad they got rid of. They got rid of him the day after they won the championship. Yeah. But yeah, it was. Yeah, it was either him or Otto. Well, I guess Otto Porter got better when he started playing for. I'm going to stick with Danny Green. That's my starting five. <laughs> Okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> I knew you was gonna put Danny Green on that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Danny. Okay, all right. Coach Natty, see who you got in yours, bro. Yeah, that, that's a pretty good list. Um, point guard Pat Dev. Dude is just complete. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like uh, as as. As Russell Westbrook says, like he he got everybody fooled thinking he plays good defense, and he just out here just, <laughs> just pushing people, yelling like you're not good. Like he's part of the problem with the Clippers right now because he's not a point guard and he nope. doesn't do anything for them besides yell and maybe elbow somebody. Like that's it. So he's trash. <laughs> um. So I'm kind of all over the place. This guy's gonna show up twice on two different lists here, but Ryan Hollins, uh, trash, <laughs> absolute trash, like just a, a waste of seven feet space, like trash. Um, I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> um, Trying to see who I should put in here over another. Um, I'm gonna go Jared Dudley because I need another shooter. <laughs> yeah. Trash. Um, I don't like his face. I don't like his voice. I don't like the way the man talks. <laughs> he looks like a oompa loompa with a headband on. I I can't like he's just he's just a complete joke to me. Um, so that's my starting shooting guard. Small starting small forward. I gotta go with uh I'm gonna put Giannis in there as my starting starting small forward, even though he's not small. Y'all know, like if you've been listening to the last six <laughs> hey. episodes, I'm not gonna have to I, I don't need to go any further. Maddie got it out for the Greek freak, y'all. I do, I really do. <laughs> He's really starting to get on my nerves. Even that whole sitting down against Philly nonsense. <laughs> like, whatever, dude. Like, we'll, 
We'll see you come playoff time, and you ain't going to do nothing. You're going to have that dumb stare on his face round. wondering what's going on. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yes, yeah, so I got Pep. Yeah, that's my – so I need one more. Yep. Yeah, I need one more. <sighs> this is tough. Is Roy Hibbert? Oh, that's a good one. Well, Roy Hibbert, I think he's complete trash as well. But not as much as Ryan Hollins. <laughs> like he's he's like like slightly more or less trash. Cause he at least had like some games in the playoffs where he didn't look like a complete idiot. Um I'm gonna put Jason Terry in there because he's another one. I can't stand Ooh. the man. I'm surprised at that one. Okay. I can't stand his face. I can't stand his demeanor. I can't stand the way he dresses. I can't stand the way he talks. I can't still stand the way he looks. Everything about him ticks me off. Just this whole the little the little tube socks and knee pads. I just I can't stand it. I, I he sucks. I can't stand it. He, he looks like a little kid in a grown man's body. <laughs> I can't stand him. So that's that's me. That's my. I, I have quite a few other ones, but I'm just gonna pick them as my starting five because I feel like it has a balance of trashness. <laughs> um, honorable mention: Bill Cartwright, yes. cardiac Bill, cardiac. Definitely putting him <laughs> in there. Um, <laughs> and then Joe Kim Noah's in there. My honorable mention: Carlos Boozer's in my honorable mention and. Kendrick Perkins is, is in my honorable mention as well. And Darren Williams. Man. As I as I said in the in the group chat, anybody that forced uh Jerry Sloan to retire because they just said, I just can't coach this dude, you're trash. <laughs> dude been coaching in the NBA for, for 20 years. Yeah, yeah, for he 20 like, years. Man, coach he, he coaches him for a few years, like I can't do it. <laughs> that's that's you're trash. <clears throat> So that's my that's my list. All right, all right, um, all right. So my list, I add a few new names. Uh, so I did have Patrick Beverly as I think that's that's enough said there. Um, so I'm gonna move on to the shooting guard. Uh, so I did uh, Tabo Cephalosha for my shooting guard. Uh, so this man is starting on so many teams throughout his career. <laughs> this man got 869 games in the NBA and has is averaged a whopping 5.7 points a game, 3.7 rebounds, and 1.4 assists. And he's played for teams that have gotten far. You know, he was he was on the OKC team, you know, with, with Russell and KD. You know, and so I'm looking at this dude like, bro, like you, you're okay at defense, but you ain't that good at defense. You just got long arms. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's different. And I don't, I don't yeah, that just, that irritates my soul. That irritates my soul. So, I mean, he was first round 13th pick. So think about it that way too. First round 13th pick and you got 5.7 points a game. Sit down, sir. All right. So then next one. Uh, I hated to do this. I got Adam Morrison. So, yeah. for those who don't remember, Adam Morrison was that guy coming out of Gonzaga. 
Uh, he was actually drafted as the overall third pick in the 2006 draft. It's a starter for a lot of his career. 161 games played. So that shows you something right there. He ain't played that many games and he was healthy. So uh, next thing is, guess how many points this, this score from Gonzaga got in a game? 7.5 points per game. 2.1 rebounds, 1.4 assists. You the third pick in the draft. I'm going to need you to do better. And you started for a lot of your career for the Charlotte Bobcats. And I don't want to hear about Charlotte being trash because there's been a lot of trash teams and people have been able to get numbers even on trash teams. Uh, was, uh, was that the year that uh, Gonzaga was like, did they get a number one seed that year? I think so. They, they went very far in the, in, in the tournament. A lot, of, a lot of it because of Adam Morrison. Uh, so that, I mean, he lasted three years in the league. You're the number three pick. You last three years. I mean, okay. Enough said there. I, too, had Joe Kim Noah. Joe Kim Noah's been on good teams, uh, you know, especially in the Chicago days. 672 games under his belt. 8.8 points a game. Nine rebounds, which isn't bad. Uh, and 2.8 assists. But it it's the way he carries himself that irritates me. <laughs> and we'll have Coach Wake Up on another show to talk about Joe Kim Noah further. But I'm just going to put it out there that I think he is, you know, first round ninth overall pick in 2007. He just does a, yada, a lot of yelling. Uh, he did get a defensive player of the year in 2013, 2014. I didn't feel that he deserved it that year, but, you know, somebody did. But, yeah, it's – I just don't think he's as good as he presents himself to be. Therefore, he's trash. So, there's that one. Uh, and then last – he was he was mentioned, but Kwame Brown. I had to put Kwame Brown in this list, man. And I uh, – this hurts too. I mean, you 6'11, number one overall pick in 2011, 607 games under your belt. And all you can get me is 6.6 points a game, 5.5 rebounds, and 0.9 assists. And you started most of those years? I don't want to hear it. At least. <laughs> well, you know. As much as it's their fault, it's actually it's MJ's fault too. This is a reflection of how can you really blame it on MJ though? Yes, we can. Yeah. Blame it on Doug Collins, man. No, no, we gotta blame it on He's the coach. He's the coach. It don't stop there though, because he had Adam Morrison. Yep. He he drafted Kwame Brown. Yep. He drafted Frank Kaminsky. Yes. He Uh, he drafted uh, Tyler Hansborough. Tyler Hansborough, Cody Zeller. Mm-hmm. Cody Zeller. His career is not over with yet, but I don't think he's as good as people thought he was. Really. I mean, he was like a he was a lottery pick. Yeah. That's all Michael. Michael, you trashed, bro. <laughs> Greatest player of all time, but one of the worst GMs. You you are lucky that like uh you know LaMelo Ball fell out the sky for you because yes. You look your track record on drafting is horrible. Yes. Agreed. Can't be worse than Cleveland. 
Well, I mean, they got Kyrie and uh, LeBron, right? Yeah, that's at least two. MJ LeBron's, got I mean, you know they're going to take LeBron if they got number one. Though. True, but true. I mean, how, it's you, a, how do you explain it? I don't know. I'm still thinking about Anthony Bennett. No, that was that was horrible. Yeah, that, that's bad. That's bad. Like Cleveland has historically bad drafting, you know, yeah. resume, but they got at least two within Chicago the same two. generation, right? I guess. I don't know. Chicago Cleveland, too. the city of Cleveland, the decision making up there is very questionable. Period. Yeah. Very questionable. Mm-hmm. Oh, and y'all thought I was going to – I can't mention trash and not mention Ty Lue. The, <laughs> the coach of your all-trash team. <laughs> yes, that's your coach. Not only mm, – he's uh, quite possibly – trying to see how to put this. Like, never – if you're going to hold a clipboard in your hands, that means you have a plan. This man has no plan. He just <laughs> – at least if I at least I look the part while I'm out here. That's that's all it is. <laughs> okay. Okay. I <laughs> <laughs> just had to slide something in a bow tie Oh my god. Okay. All right. Well, we're gonna have we're going to revisit this on future episodes, especially once we get the other coaches in because coach wake up coach boogie, who you all haven't met yet. I know they have a nice list of their own uh, to contribute to the show. So this is not the last that you heard of our all time trash teams. This yeah, I might a- have some updates on mine. There's some people that's teetering. And I'm like, man, <laughs> they, they on the edge of trash. They on the edge of going to the trash squad for real. Oh man, I can't believe you put Giannis on that team. Yeah, I said, yeah, what the heck? Yeah, he got two put him on MVPs and one different MVP, and you put him in the trash team. You're daggone right, I am. Hey, when it's when it's when it's playoff time, I'm putting Paul George on my all time trash list. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm with you there. I'm with you on PG 13 during the playoffs, yes. Yep. All right, so we're going to side of the backboard. <laughs> No, that's Giannis territory hitting the backboard. That's all Giannis. Man, if I see one more NBA player airball free throw, I'm gonna go off. Like I, just, I think they're doing it on purpose. Uh, this is ridiculous. It's it's I bad. See it. It's bad. I see. Giannis that did it. Um, I think Montrezl Harrell has done it. Kyle Kuzma Kendrick, has done it. Kendrick Parkins has done it. Kendrick, I mean. It, and these few were like right in a row outside of Kendrick Perkins who did it like way earlier. But like these cats, literally every night you see somebody airball free throw. It's like, how, like what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <sighs> anyway, okay. <laughs> anyway, man. So another big topic is um, we thought it was very interesting. We'll have Coach Maddie T lead us out on this one is do NBA refs have too much control over the outcomes of games? Go ahead, Coach Natty What are your thoughts on this topic? Well, I I think they do. Uh, and I guess it's kind of blended into just a kind of a rules conversation with 
the NBA in, ter- in terms of the modern day NBA, if you will, quote unquote. Because mm-hmm. um, when you watch the games, I mean, I feel like they really have control and, and really set the tone of the game from the beginning. Because you can already tell, like, if if they're going to call, like, those little ticky-tack fouls, you can kind of tell where the game was going to go. Yeah. You know, and then even in the playoffs, um, you know, if they let them play a little bit more, you can kind of get a feel for who's going to kind of win the game. Um, so for me, like, watching it, it's, it's a bit frustrating. And, again, some of it is – and this is why I said – Maybe it's a blended rules conversation because I'll take the Brooklyn Nets, for example. Okay. Um, and guys like uh, Kyrie, guys like really like James Harden. KD does it too because he's, he's a high, bas- high IQ basketball player as well. But, you know, when you watch James Harden and he does that little elbow jab step thing and then he like – swings the ball around and then jumps and throws it it's a foul yep i'm just like this is it's very frustrating to watch sometimes mm-hmm. it really is the way that Kyrie, because i see him do this all the time trey young does this all the time mm-hmm. so they'll come off a screen and then they'll stand there and like literally wait for the guy for him to like bump into their back and then they'll just flail forward as yep. they actually take a shot mm-hmm. he does it all the time mm-hmm like it's for me it's just it's it's frustrating to watch because i feel like they're getting bailed out when they don't necessarily need to do that but again that's part of the rules so they're taking advantage of it so i gotta give them you know that's somewhat basketball iq there but in the past and when i mean by the past i mean you know kind of 90s early 2000s where the game was little bit more physical i felt like the refs didn't have as much control because they were already playing a semi-physical game like you were allowed hand checking you allowed certain things to happen so you know there's the 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 whistle isn't being blown as much as it is now yeah but that was just my that's just kind of my thought because it's, it's just very frustrating to watch sometimes and i just feel like the referees have too much control of or can dictate how a game is going to go too many times or, you know, more often than not. I don't know what y'all's thoughts were, but that's just kind of, that's just where my thoughts were. Cause I, again, I took Brooklyn for example, cause I'm thinking like come playoff time, you know, most people say, okay, maybe the game is going to be a bit more physical. Maybe it slows down. But the thing is these guys are very crafty and they know how to create fouls. Yep. And they all three of them shoot ninety percent basically. Mm-hmm. So, are we gonna have games where they're just shooting free throws the whole time, and that's how they win? Yeah. I mean, is that what we want to see? No, I don't want to see that. But that that was just kind of my thoughts. I didn't know what you guys thought. Yeah, no, that's that's a, that's a good. I'm glad you brought that up, Coach K. What do you guys? What do you think about the officiating in the NBA? I think it's trash. <laughs> <laughs> put, actually, I'm putting that on my all-time trash list. Too. Just um, started at page six, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know. It's just 
<laughs> it sucks, especially like when you have a uh, you have a really good basketball game, but you know, like some of the best players have like you know four or five fouls, and you know they don't get brought back in until sometimes late game, especially like in playoff games. Like you don't want to see that. Um, so I don't know. I kind of I kind of want to get back to you know how it was back in the day where we allow allow a little more physicality, especially in playoff time. Yeah, because that's that's when it really counts. So I mean, even if they, I don't know, say like, uh, uh, you call maybe like the fourth quarter of the game, maybe just just allow, just be more lenient, you know, within reason. Because I mean, back in the day, you almost had to like, almost basically hit somebody or, or literally fight to <laughs> to actually get thrown out of the game. Yeah. Versus now, it's just like you can you can barely breathe on somebody. So it's it's and it's stupid because you feel like you'll see um, technical fouls get called for for sometimes some of the dumbest things, and it's just and referees will call fouls on players just to let them know like they're in charge. And I think that's that's kind of like what it is too. Is a lot of this is a lot of the, the power struggle is definitely very evident. Uh, especially in the, uh, um, especially with the refs, because they'll they'll just call something, you know, just because the ref is upset at the player, and it should I don't, it should never be like that. So that's that's kind of like that's kind of my thing is I want to get back to a little more physicality, especially during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, even even just build that into the game. You know, you could um, do whatever you want, but like the last. You know, maybe like from the last half of the third quarter to the fourth quarter, just let them play. That's that's what I want to see. And I don't know it. Yeah, it, it sucks because it it's ruined you know several basketball series too. Mm-hmm. So when you when you get down to the playoffs, you want to see the players play, not you know not not see somebody come out because they get like you know, three fouls called them in the first quarter or something like that. Mm. That happens a lot. That happens yep. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So my my beef is my number one right now is can y'all please be consistent on this and one calling that y'all do during the games? <laughs> I'm sick and tired of watching players not put the ball back on the floor they get fouled, immediately are going up for the shot as they're getting fouled. Mm-hmm. Then they release mm-hmm. it after the foul. They make it, and it gets waved off. Or you're driving to the basket. You've picked up your dribble. You get hit on the arm. They make the layup. You wave the basket off. And then what I'll do is I'll watch a game. The game right after that, they give it to them for the same exact thing. What y'all need to do in NBA, help your refs out on this too. Make it clear cut. I think they left that part of the game way too much into the refs interpretation of one. So now you're going to get inconsistency across the league. What you need to be doing is saying, listen, if they don't put the ball back on the floor after they're fouled, it counts. Just make it that black and white. If you make it that black and white, then the refs know how to call the game. But I'm sick and tired of watching phenomenal plays by the NBA players get waved off phenomenal three and four point opportunities. So that's my one big beef there. 
The other one is building off of what Coach Natty T said. Also, James Harden, when he drives to the basket, he's looking to drive at you, even if you're not in front of him. <laughs> like that's, that's the thing that gets on my nerves. He will take, instead of going to straight to the basket to do the layup or whatever, he'll start straight and then he'll weave and veer left or veer right because that's where you're standing. And then he'll just jump into you. And it is so obvious. Like that's the offensive player creating the contact. And he's not the only player that does that, but he's a player that does it very well. When the first mm-hmm. people that comes to mind. Why are we calling that a defensive foul? If I stand out of your way, you come to see contact from me. That's on you. That's your foul. I was standing still the whole time. So I have a big beef with that. Um, those two are the main cause that I would like to see regulated better. Um, the yeah. other thing, and I agree with all your points about just defense in general, and it's hard to play defense in the NBA now. And, and then also, I'm not a big fan of the, the uh, six foul rule when it comes to overtime. Because I'm looking at it as like, you kind of based six fouls off of four quarters. So mm-hmm. if they're more than four quarters, I mean, could they at least get one? extra you know for that like you give people extra timeouts you give people extra replays but you don't give them an extra foul for for a player you know that's been fouled out and I think I think we could do better now because now what you're saying is that you're gonna have to play the rest of this period without your star player or without a very vital piece to your team off of a rule that's actually only based on four quarters Mm -hmm. I I would like to see a, a, a a and one in that sense when it comes to um, uh, uh, post four quarter play. Those are those are pretty much my only things. But I I I do agree with you. I've seen refs just kind of take the game over or just inconsistent. They'll call something in the first quarter and not call it in the fourth quarter and just kind of thing. I was like, well, if you're gonna call it a foul, a foul is a foul. Or I mean, you can take it a step further. I mean, I know this is an NBA topic, but I kind of feel the same way with the NFL sometimes. And yeah. it's like. I think I don't know if this maybe both leagues are trying to go like too offensive, if you will. I know your point about uh, the and ones because that that is annoying too. But it does seem like for the most part the rules and how both leagues are telling their refs to officiate the game is more offensive friendly. It seems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Because, you know, in the NFL, you know, we don't even know what's to catch anymore. (laughs) And even we saw in in the Super Bowl and even in the NFC championship game, more specifically with with the with the Tampa Bay Bucks and, and the Packers. I mean, like it seems like, you know, guys is grabbing and pulling on jerseys the whole game and then. You know, in certain moments, they call the pass interference. And it's like, dude, I, we've been doing this the whole game. The whole game, and you said nothing. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. So I, I think it's, it's somewhat applicable to the NFL as well. But, you know, again, I think we, I, I would say officiating, but it just seems like maybe the better question is just the, the actual rules of each league just seems to be gearing towards the offense, which is a kind of a cliche statement in this modern day sports world but when you're watching the games it just seems like 
there's just that concerted effort to help the offense over helping the defense. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they feel like this just it makes it more exciting. But also, but I just think it does make it frustrating as well because sometimes, like, and even in even in soccer as well, I know you know uh, you know some of our viewers may not watch it, some of our viewers do. It's kind of the same thing, like they're just blowing the whistle like every two seconds. There's like no flow to the game. You know, it's just hard to kind of stop and keep going, stop and keep going. You know what I mean? So I feel like it's the same, you know, same with basketball, same with football. Like it's hard to kind of get a rhythm sometimes because like either they're flowing a flag or the whistle's getting blown too much. Mm -hmm. And it's just very, it's very annoying. Yeah. You know, that actually makes me think about the whole, when Coach K was talking about you used to have to punch somebody in the face to get ejected. <laughs> you know, I mean, you didn't even get ejected. It was just like a technical foul. Yeah, like, back- <laughs> <laughs> now, like, there's a lot of interpretation that goes into, especially when someone gets hit in the head, and you do want to protect the players. I'm not right. that at all. Right. There's a lot of stoppages during the game where people try to watch this, like, ah, yeah, that was unnecessary. <clears throat> You know, and, and there's some of those, I think some refs do a really good job at it, but mm-hmm. others, I'm like, bro, really? We're going to give, we're going to give a, a flagrant two on this one. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. Like, or, or are we going to say this is a flagrant at all? Like it, it's some things are just part of the game where I'm not hitting anyone, but if I swing at the ball to block it and I miss it, I'm probably going to hit you in the face like that's because that's usually where the ball is, is in front of your face. So if I swing and miss and you make me miss, like I'm not, you know, I, so I think some of that should be taken into consideration on the NFL side. I think we want to protect our, our receivers and, and stuff like that too. And our, But how many times have you seen people get, you know, penalties and thrown out the game, especially in the college ranks where it's a little bit more severe punishment over like the offensive player moves their body position after the defensive player is already committed to hitting them somewhere. Mm-hmm. So how are they supposed to just adjust in the middle of the air to say, okay, I'm going to hit you below this part, even though you just now moved. I think that's unrealistic. And I think you should take those situations into context. You want to protect your players, but you want to make it reasonable. So those mm-hmm. are some of the beefs I have with that kind of stuff, looking at the rules. And of course, the uh, whole fumble through the end zone. Yeah. Ends up getting a-, a, a Yeah, with the Browns, yeah. Like, that's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous, that's a that's a, a higher severity of a penalty. That mm-hmm. be, if you're gonna make it a penalty, then I think <clears throat> it should be like, if you're inside the 20 yard line, you do it, it goes, it goes back to the 20 yard line. Like, mm-hmm. it, so it's some type, if you want to penalize something like that. But you don't have to make it to where the team loses the ball because they didn't turn the ball over. Yeah. Plus, I think I heard somebody say this, but maybe because of and I guess to kind of play devil's advocate from a referee's perspective, right? I mean, maybe there's there's just so many rules now that it's like when you're refing, you know, it's hard to kind of remember all that stuff. So maybe you're just you you kind of overblow the whistle because you you lean on the side of caution instead of just like refing the game in its purest form. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes there's a difference between reading the rule book and watching the game and just watching the game 
yeah. and knowing what's a foul and what's not through the flow of the game. Right. You know what I'm saying? Does that makes sense? Yeah, it's because so I feel cool. like and now you have like these <clears throat> the booths. Yeah. Like, yeah. Talking about stuff and they're giving advice to the referees. And I'm like, you're giving them way too much, way yeah. too much material. Yeah, because they do it all the time in, in world in world football because they have what's called VAR. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, like the mm. video assistant referee. Because mm. they pretty much check everything now, like yeah, like every goal, every offsides. And it's there it's a big, it's a big, big discussion because and obviously offsides is always a controversial rule I anyway. Hate that rule. I, <laughs> I'm sorry, Natty. I know you play so I hated that rule ever since I've learned about it. <laughs> No, well, yeah, but the thing is, even with this VAR, it's become even more complicated because they, they kind of use that, um, you know, how on when you're watching NFL games, they use like that yellow line to kind of assimilate that that's 10 yards. But they always say it, it's not exact. This is like an approximated line. Mm-hmm. So they'll do the same thing with um, offsides. And there's been instances where like, oh, yeah, well, they try to say like, yeah, his, you know, his, his hand or a piece of his foot was, and it's like, how do you, how can you tell that's truly offside from this little arbitrary line? Like you can't even tell. At least in the NFL, you have chains on the field with a marker. Yeah, that you can at least like run into a check, right? Yeah. Yeah, Like how do you, yeah. So I don't know. I just, maybe, maybe this things with, you know, with the technology, things are just getting too technical and, and not necessarily just looking at the pureness of the game. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but like all those calls um, that Kansas City was getting in the Super Bowl almost made the game unwatchable for me. Yeah. It was, it was tough because it, it, it yeah. was like, to be fair, I guess, at least they were consistent because they were calling it from the beginning and they called it pretty much the whole game. So at least they were consistent. But yeah, I mean, some of those, it's like, dude, my goodness. <laughs> like, really? Like, this is what we're going to decide to throw the flag? Yeah, on? yeah. But that had a big, and again, like kind of to the original question, they had a lot of control over the game because of that. Because if you're going to call those calls at the beginning, that changes how each team is going to play. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know, but we'll see. Gosh. All right. Well, we're going to keep watching. And I, I think, yeah, the, the leagues, you need to make it a little bit easier on your referees. And right? I, I, I want to be <clears throat> to the humans that are having to do this in real time because it's not. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard because it, it's easy for us to kind of quit and again, to play devil's advocate for the referees a little bit. You know, sometimes these these athletes are, you know, they're bigger, faster, stronger. So sometimes in real time, it's hard to see some of these calls. So we get to see it, you know, when they do the replay and slow it down, but they're trying to catch it in real time. So sometimes, yeah, they miss things. Or again, I feel like sometimes they just lean on the side of caution. Yeah. But, you know, to be fair, I mean, it's, it's a lot to try to like maintain in the speed of the game, you know, so so much so that refs sometimes try to anticipate a call. Right, right, right. You're right, like, right. nah, you blew it too early. <laughs> right, 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 right. Exactly. Look, exactly. You can't, yeah, you I'm can't like, call it right, then don't be a ref. <laughs> you have no empathy for the refs. Nope. No. <laughs> but you see that when, um, for instance, at the end of an NBA game, sometimes teams, a lot of times teams intentionally foul, right? Mm-hmm. They don't want the clock to bleed, so they want to send the person to the free throw line. Well, not every time, you know, that's what the game plan. A lot of time is, 
hey, try to steal the ball first. And then if we don't get the ball, then you foul. And mm-hmm. I've seen referees kind of anticipate it when a defender gets close to go for the ball, they automatically think intentional foul and they blow it. And it's like, no, that's not what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you see it sometimes in the NFL when it comes to uh, pass interference or when it comes kind of some, some weight off, it's an anticipation call. It's like, now nah, you, you can't do that. I know you're trying to keep up with everything, but you can't do that either. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, put, it puts them in a tough situation. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to move on to, um, you know, he was mentioned earlier today and he's been in the news a lot uh, for some very horrific reasons. Uh, so we're going to spend a little bit of time going over the Deshaun Watson allegations. Uh, we're going to have uh, Coach Natty T lead us out on, on this one. Um, you know, it's developing stories, um, but we thought we should cover it anyhow on the show. Yeah, so, man. And, and again, I, I put Watson as one of my losers with regards to um, free, the, the free agency market right now because, and I think I just saw a few hours ago, I think the lawyer made a press conference, but they said it's up to 12 now. Like, that's... Thanks. And again, I, I, we were talking about it before the show. I mean, me, like, especially in this Me Too movement era that we're in, and it's, it is sad that we have to say that it's an era because right. that shouldn't be happening, period, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if there's one email that comes out and says, hey, you know, this happened to me. Like, I'm not saying I don't believe her. I'm just saying I'm willing to at least hear what the uh, male has to say and kind of wait for the facts to come out, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, w- once you start getting two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, like they, where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah, you did something. Yeah, yeah, like there, where there's smoke, there's fire. Like I, I don't need to hear the details. I don't need to hear like you know what I mean. Like I don't need to hear all that. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, what's tough about this particular case, and and again, we talked about it a little bit um, before we got on on air here, but the actual lawyer that's in question with regards to the one who's representing all of these females here. He is a known as kind of a celebrity lawyer in Houston. He actually ran for mayor in Houston and lost. Um, but he's the neighbor of the, the late Bob McNair, who owned the Texans. Interesting. Um, even when he ran for mayor, his biggest donors were the McNair family, who happens to run a Texans. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, 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 it's interesting. It's very, very interesting. Cause even for me, when I first heard about, you know, the, you know, the allegations, just the way that the actual lawyer announced it first by doing a, I believe it was a Facebook post. Mm-hmm. It was like, so that's how we're actually administering charges now, just via Facebook statements? To me, that was a little fishy from the beginning, but 
the cases have been filed, the the evidence has been shown, at least at least the lawsuits have been shown. So I don't know, man. It's just to me it either way is not a good look for Deshaun. Yeah. Even if he all 12 cases are fully exonerated, he's not gonna get the, the court of public opinion has pretty much been rendered, period. Mm-hmm. So where does he go from here? Because he's he's in this whole battle with the Texans as far as saying, I'm not playing. You know, does that hurt, you know, the rest of the other teams that may be interested in trading for him? Are they not going to be interested now? Does this force him to play for the Texans now? Because if teams aren't going to be willing to trade for him because of this, these allegations, are you going to go back on your word and play now? Or are you just going to sit there at your house now? It's very complicated. Um, So I, I guess we'll, you know, continue to hear more as, you know, the upcoming days and weeks come up, but that's, that's kind of where my thoughts were initially. Um, And then even seeing some of the cases, I do think Deshaun, I don't know if he sexually assaulted his women. I hope he didn't. And again, for the females that did the accusations, you know, definitely I feel for them because that's very traumatizing, right? But Deshaun, I mean, I don't know why you have all, you're asking all these different women to give you a massage. That's that's, that's fishy right there. Because mm-hmm. most professional athletes usually have a single person that they go to. Yeah. For massages and recovery. Because, like, for instance, uh, for example, Tom Brady, he has his guy. That's it. Mm-hmm. That works on his body, you know, gets or does the little exercise. Like, that's it. LeBron, he has one guy that he goes to or one person that he goes to. That's it. The fact that you're reaching out to these women on Instagram. And you're flying them out from various, like people from Oregon, people from Florida. That, why are you doing that? Yeah, that's fishy on, on his end. Like, what are your intentions right. here? Like, bro, like, what are you trying to do? You trying to like get more than a massage? Like, you right, to, exactly. You it already for women you found attractive. Like, right, the, right, the exactly. Like, yeah. exactly, exactly. So he, again, I, I don't know if he's, if he actually sexually assaulted these women. Because, again, that's a serious accusation. But if you're Deshaun Watson, you need to be smarter than that, period. Because that, that's just – there's there's no need for that. Yeah. So that's kind of – that's my thoughts on it. And like I said off air, like you have one that, you know, said that after the incident, he texted and apologized to her and everything like that. So, like, that right there has proof that something – something happened. That something – he did something that he wasn't supposed to do. Uh, something that that was traumatizing something that was not consensual in this situation uh Mm -hmm. and so i i mean it's it's one of these things that it's it's a horrible paradigm that has just been you know passed down uh and still embodied in our culture where it's just like i mean you can watch i take the i take into account what people consume as they grow up and how it impacts mm-hmm. the way that they operate. And so you can consume by people that are around you that have given you examples. 
uh, you can consume from the things that you watch and how they are perceived. This may seem far-fetched to some of our viewers, but if you look at some shows that we've watched growing up, you can see how, if you really take a step back, how problematic some of the situations are. Yep. Um, for instance, one of my favorite shows growing up was Family Matters, right? Thought it was hilarious. I watched it every single week when it came out. Mm -hmm. We really condoned harassment in that show, right? Because Steve Urkel's character, you know, you know, character really did a lot of non-consensual thing. Now it wasn't like an assault type thing, but it, when we talk about harassment, it was definitely at the harassment level, you know, so unwanted type of engagement and everything. And then what did the show teach us? They eventually got married. So what did the show teach us? That if you try, you keep trying and 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 trying, it's eventually gonna go your way. Uh, you look at Saved by the Bell, show I also loved growing up. Zach Morris's character was absolute trash on that show. Like you just look at a lot of the things that were going on. I mean, he used underage women to pose into a calendar for the school and then made money off of it. Like he, you know, he, he lied about a car accident and got somebody to like, he did a lot of things where it was like, I'm just going to keep pushing until I get my way. Uh, and we see that in very, those are just two shows from my childhood, you know, but there's plenty of more examples of that. Mm -hmm. But, and then on the flip side, I would say the Parkers has it in reverse, you know, with uh, Monique's character, Professor Ogilvy. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like the Ur the Steve Urkel, Laura Winslow dynamic. Mm -hmm. But I think we have been, I think there's part parts of society that we that have socialized men to like, no matter whether it's consensual, you can wear somebody down to do what you want them to do. And, and, and that is one of the premises of rape culture, of, of sexual assault, of harassment. The whole thing is, is that uh, my will over another person's will. Uh, and, and so when people, even if they say, oh, I'll never do this all the way or I'll do that all the way, there are levels to this. Mm -hmm. You know, so someone could say, hey, I didn't rape anybody. But you did all these problematic things, though. You didn't do like this thing, but you did. You made errors all throughout this part. You did things that were not wanted by the other person. And that's still mm -hmm. wrong. And so when Deshaun comes out and says, I've always treated women with the utmost respect. I've never done it. I think he's thinking of it from a worst case scenario. I would never actually do this thing but not realizing that, bro, you did so many other things wrong. And that's still wrong. Uh, yep. And that is not in defense of him. I don't want our listeners to get that. It's not in defense of them, but I think that's what he's thinking and what a lot of men, we don't get. And, and when we don't get it, we make horrible decisions that have traumatic effects on other people. And in this case, women. And over 90%, uh, I forget the exact percentage, but it's over 90% women who come forward and talk about these things have been proven to be true. And that's just the people that could actually prove it, mm -hmm. you know? So it's much higher than that, but those are the people that actually been proven correct. So when you look at all this, like, like I, I don't think he could not even have a career, you know, moving forward, depending on how things, you know, progress through all this. 
but he needs to have a real, either way, he needs to have a real reflective moment with himself. And he is appropriating a lot of toxic masculinity in his actions and his thoughts. So that's, that's my view on some of that. And it's not just unique to Deshaun. I mean, we've seen Kareem Hunt with domestic violence. We've seen Ray Rice with domestic violence. We've seen Josh Brown, used to be kicker for the Giants, domestic Ezekiel violence. Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, yeah, Ezekiel Elliott. Like all these things, it's a pattern. It's a pattern of toxic masculinity in our culture. And so- Kellen you know, Winslow. Kellen, yes, yeah, Winslow. So you can just start just naming them off. You just think a lot of it, you know? Um, unfortunately, you could just think of all bunch of names off the top of your head when it comes to this kind of stuff. And that was just football, you know? So like, you think of all these things of um, how men aren't properly able to handle their emotions um, and how we don't take rejection well and how do we decide to react on all those things. Those things are problematic. And we, really, we gotta check ourselves as men that if we wanna be part of the solution, we can't be the ones perpetuating that type of stuff. Because ultimately I always look at it, hey, if, if I wouldn't want this to happen to my sister, if I wouldn't want this to happen to my mom, then I shouldn't be doing it to anybody else. To my daughter or anything. To my daughter, anybody. And a lot of times it's not till someone gets a daughter till it kicks in. Yep. You know, and, it, and, it, and by then they could have made so many different poor decisions before that point. And it shouldn't take that situation for you to get it. So Deshaun, I need you to get it, brother. All these other people, I need you to get it, brother. In the NFL, I wanna make sure that you all, I'm gonna call y'all out on this because y'all haven't always handled this well. You tried to sweep things under the rug so much so that the sheriff in the Josh Brown case said that the NFL was intimidating him to not pursue the rest of the case. And we can get into race and everything like that. I'm not gonna get into that today, but as a league, you gotta do your due justice. Um, so I, you know, I think Deshaun's of course gonna be penalized one way or another. Um, oh yeah, I mean, he's gonna get fined or something. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's part of the process. Like, I think there needs to be more than just, you know, like a fine penalty, whatever suspension. Like they're, I think they should do some type of rehabilitation like just to help kind of change that mindset or, you know, whatever, whatever their, uh, this, you know, whatever the situation is to, to kind of change that mindset just because, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously if you, if you like suspend them and, or if he, you know, gives up his NFL career, obviously like that'll make him think about it, but will it actually change Will it change somebody's the way that somebody responds or how they treat women? I I don't know, but I, I think that should be part of it too. Well, I guess even take it a step further, not to get too much into it, but <clears throat> I think to James's point, um, you know, it's a societal issue because when you really think about it. Because even if you go beyond sports, like your Matt Lowers, mm -hmm. your Harvey Weinstein's, mm -hmm. your Jeffrey Epstein's, like, yeah. so there's this 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 kind of this complex of of power. Yes. And to your point, getting people to do what you want them to do. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And 
you know, I think it's a societal thing where we put people on a pedestal and, and sometimes and it's kind of cliche, but you know, that people feel like they can just get away and just do whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't know, maybe this is a future question, but, and it's kind of cliche, but you know, with, with these athletes and stuff, I mean, and even to your point, the, like the TV shows and all that, that kind of subliminally perpetuate those sorts of, you know, repeated actions, mm-hmm. you know, should, should we be looking at these guys as, as, as role models and, and all that type of stuff and, and model citizens? And again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't. I'm not saying that it, give, it should give them a license to just do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. But um, it kind of got me thinking because I don't know if you guys saw LaMelo Ball's interview um, before they played the Lakers <laughs> and what he said about LeBron. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very fascinating because maybe I was thinking too deep about it. But he said they asked him if he was excited about playing LeBron and he said, not really. Most people thought that was a slight at LeBron, but he, but he was like, nah, like, I really wasn't in the basketball like that. He said, my two heroes was, you know, obviously Kobe because he was in LA mm-hmm. and my dad. Mm-hmm. But you know what I'm like? Mm-hmm. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Cause he said, it was my dad. My dad was my role model. My dad was like the guy I looked up to. Mm-hmm. You know, I think too many times it's like, you know, we're, we're putting these guys on a pedestal. And, and again, I don't want to insinuate that Deshaun is guilty of sexual assault. We still have to go through the investigative process. Cause again, that's a serious accusation. So I'm not saying that he is, but to your point, James, like there's, where there's smoke, there's fire. Mm-hmm. So, you know, guys look at that, you know, not even necessarily young kids, but guys that are like, you know, 12, 13, 14 star athletes, you know, you kind of like start to get that kind of vibe about yourself and you want to, you feel like you're invincible, you can get away with everything, you know, like in those moments, like our role models should be the the people around us, not necessarily these guys that we're never going to meet. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so maybe is, maybe that's part of the the, the transition that needs to happen. Like we need to be looking up towards, you know, the people in our, in our environment, not necessarily just, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too deep, but that's just kind of what came across my mind was that LaBelle ball quote. Cause I was like, that's fantastic. Cause people thought he was hating on LeBron. I was like, nah, he's just like, I look up to my dad, man. It's like, I don't care about LeBron James. Like he's a great basketball player, but like, I look up to my dad. Yeah. He said, I grew up a little different, I think is what one of the part of his yeah. Quote. And yeah, he, I mean, he didn't grow up the same way LeBron did. And he, no, no, he no. Grew up with some privileges that LeBron did not. Um, but he also had, um, yeah, like you said, proximity to role models and in particular male role models uh, yeah. to, to be able to cultivate them into the person he is today. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah whether that's, that. Whether that's parents, whether that's teachers, whether that's pastors, whether that's just friends, you know, anything like that, you know, maybe we should be looking up to those people more, more so than athletes. But you know, I I I, I agree with you. But the thing is, how do you change the culture? Because when every when we're saturated with like, obviously, I mean, 
I mean, especially like our culture. I mean, growing up, you turn on the radio and the first thing you hear is, you know, like women be object being objectified in music, calling them everything but their first name. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just think like we're so saturated with that stuff. I mean, obviously, like if you grow up a certain way, you know, yeah, I mean, well, growing up, like my parents didn't let me listen to a lot of that stuff. Like my mom's coming in, she's cutting the radio off or you know, <laughs> throwing away CDs or something. <laughs> you know, but I mean, obviously, like I feel our culture is very powerful. Yeah. But I mean, what, And it's, oh. and it's tough. It's tough because it's like you don't you don't see like the working man or I, I don't know, just like you don't see I'll, I'll say not the word I'll say you won't see the average man being portrayed on like TV or like uh, you know, like commercials. It's, you know, in celebrities. The only time you see like a regular man is if it's like a, <laughs> I don't know, some a commercial about somebody that has a that has a disease and this this pill will fix it or something like that. No, that that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, even that's even you know, for people that have you know two strong parents in the household, right, and stuff like that. And if we're talking about men in the household, even those the strong fathers out there. The kids still kind of, yeah, to your point, kind of grow up saying, oh, yeah, you know, love my dad. Yeah, he's cool. But my role model, though, you know, that that's this person and that, that's that person yeah. that we're inundated with, you know, right. with celebrity, with that that kind of power thing. And so, you know, think about what that does to the psyche of, um, you know, the, the parents and stuff like that. So, you know, I make all these sacrifices for you, you know, and. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my mom had that conversation with me at a very young age when I was in elementary school. And I, we had to do a project on who our hero was and me being a, you know, a sports nut and a, and a huge Michael Jordan fan. I said, cause I love watching him and what he meant to the game. So I actually was going to choose him. My mom, my mom was like, no, you're not. <laughs> Try it again. And I was like, okay. And, um, she was like, I think, I think you need to think about this a little bit more. And so I eventually did it on my dad and mm-hmm. told story on my dad and just like, it, it was powerful. And it's like, why was my, why was my first instinct? Somebody that I've never met before, somebody I've never even communicated with before who wouldn't know me yep. if I passed them on the street, you know, instead of the person in my own household who was busting her behind off and making all these sacrifices and making sure, you know, things are taken care of to the best of, of his ability. Uh, yeah, so we need more shout outs to just the people doing the day to day. Yeah, so I, I totally agree with that. But I think there's two parts of the culture that needs to change. Uh, the consumer part of the culture needs to change. So when we're talking mm-hmm. about uh, music artists and stuff like that, especially, I mean, you know, you don't buy anything, then they can't sell anything. Uh, if, if people really want to make a stand, you're talking about uh, power positions in the industry, then if I'm a record label and you come to me with that trash, then I'm like, nah, you want to come with something else. Mm-hmm. 
Like, if you expect to be signed here, if you expect this album to be released, we're not releasing this album until these adjustments are made. Those people could also have a very effective impact on, on the game in general, too. So, like, I think there's a consumer side of things that does the concert and downloads and per other purchases. Um, but then there's also the, the industry itself, the people who accept that type of music and make money off of that type, type of music at the top level. If those two categories say no, ain't nobody putting that stuff out there unless they're going to do it all on their own. So that's that's the responsibility, I think, in our culture that's going to help shift that to your point. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, this this was a heavy, heavy topic. But, you know, I think some things just need to be, you know, talked about. So I'm glad um, that we, we decided to put this back on the show uh, because it happens all the time. It's just like every season you just hear about this player there. That's, you know, last year is big on Antonio Brown and all the, the dumb things that he did. That dude, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and, and I worry about him because after all of that, he got a Super Bowl ring this past season. And he was one of my favorite players before all this stuff was happening. And I'm like, dude, you're not being a good human. So, like, I can't support you anymore, bro. Like, I never, yeah, I never want to see him in the NFL again. But, and through all of that, he gets a ring. And I'm thinking, like, I hope that he did not think that all this was worth it, like, justifies everything that he's done. I hope he looks at, like, I won this despite myself, not because of myself. I don't know, because it, it seems like with him, he because even, like, when he was, uh, you know, so suspended or, you know, uh, you know, technically out of the league at that point, because he kept posting videos of him like working out and catching football. And it's like, dude, that's not the issue. Everybody knows you can play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your ability to but, play football is not in question. Yeah, yeah. So, like, to me, like, that just shows he still didn't really get it. I think the only reason is because him and Tom Brady is tight. And he, like, he truly respects Tom Brady, so he's not going to mess it up. But right. no, I, I, don't, I honestly don't think he gets it. Because, again, he's still thinking, like, oh, I got to show I can still play. Like, it's like, dude, we know you can still play. Yeah. It's not the problem. That's yeah. not the reason why you're not in the league, or at the time he wasn't in the league. Mm -hmm. It's the other stuff. <laughs> like you haven't been shown an ability to get it yet. So, but you know, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully he gets it. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna end the show with this topic. We talked about a few of these folks earlier on in the episode. There are a lot of players that have become analysts in their careers. There's some that it's like, you know what? You're so good at this. Like I learn from you every time I listen to you. There's some that it's like, you know what? That, this probably isn't your thing. Like, you know, you could have a successful post playing career, but I don't think it's in analyzing the game that you played. Uh, because I think there's a difference between knowing what to do and being able to articulate it to someone. So that's why not all good players make coaches because the coach has to be able to articulate that to another person, to other people. And they have to be able to, you know, think of everyone's responsibilities outside of their own. And so when people are analyzing the game, I'm thinking like, you're not bringing a lot of depth into, into this. That it's like, I could probably do a better job than that uh, just by watching the game a lot. So, but uh, some of the people that I enjoy listening to the most 
I say for football, even though Tony Romo said something, I think it was during the Super Bowl, that I was like, no, bro. And that's not to say that we agree with everything that they say. But I think he does ultimately, overall, his body of work as an analyst for CBS has been really good to the point where he's calling plays out before they happen. And he's saying, this is exactly what's going to do. This is the defenders moving this way. This is what's going to happen now. Oh, do you see that signal that the quarterback gave? They're going to do this right now. And 99.9% and of the time, he's right. And so I was like, that's kind of cool to have that aspect. Um, I look at, I think Candace Parker was an amazing um, addition to the TNT crew. Uh, I think she's done a really good job as, as far as like putting you in a player's position but articulating the way that's understandable for people that haven't played the game, especially at that level, at the professional level. Uh, Doris Burke, I enjoy listening to her call games uh, and talk about the game of basketball. Um, Hubie Brown um, also is, is pretty good at, at, at that, all that stuff too. Then, you know, those, so those are just some of the people that I enjoy listening to. Right. Then there's folks like, you know, like perk, man. I'm just like, I don't think, I don't think you should be on TV, you know. And I understand that, like talking about this, because I think it comes off as he's saying things to get people's attention instead of actually just talking about what's happening. Uh, and so I find myself really struggling with him as an analyst uh, because I, I feel that he just kind of, you know, how you talk about clickbait material. I think he says like clickbait material material on shows just to get people to pay attention. And he's not the only one that does that, of course. But I'm like, Perk, you know, someone that you don't have to do that, bro. Like you played the game uh, and you know the game. Talk about it from that perspective because that's what people are missing is it, that aspect of it. Uh, so so him and um, Booger McFarlane that used to do the, uh, the, Monday, night the, the Monday night football games. I feel like, bro, like you play, bro. You should be able to give some better insight to that. And a lot of times you just end up stating the obvious. It's like, bro, yes, I know that happened. I just listened to that happening. I just watched that happening. Take us further into what that means to what led up to that. That's what we want to know. And that's what some of the best analysts do. Those are a few people on my list, but I'll turn it over to you all um, uh, to, to hear your list. Uh, you can go ahead, Coach K. Man. Some of those people. <laughs> Man. I want, I want to start out with the people I like first. Okay. Uh, I love Kenny. I, I love uh, NBA on TNT. It's probably my favorite, favorite show to watch when it comes to basketball. I think Kenny Smith is probably my favorite um, just from that group. I feel like he always gives a, a, a really good analysis. Um, and, I mean, plus, I think he's even proven that he could be a coach, too. Um, mm. Even though I'm I'm kind of biased against this person because they love LeBron James, uh, I love Shannon Sharp um, yeah. think, for the most part. Um, uh, as far as, like – we're talking about players, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, even, <laughs> even though he's not on the show anymore, uh, I used to like 
I, I would specifically watch First Things First because of uh, Chris Carter. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, I, I like him. Yeah. Um, Here we go. I'm with you on Shannon Sharp yeah. as well. Shannon yeah. Sharp, I love, I love Shannon Sharp. Yeah. Um, an analyst, uh, NBA, Trace. Oh, uh, Jalen. Jalen. Jalen Rose. Jalen Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, and T Mac. Uh, <laughs> trash. Here we go. Oh, man. So I've. I found out from a very reliable source that <laughs> uh, Nick, Nick Wright, Nick Wright used to uh, play pickup basketball games. Uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna put him at number one. The only thing... <laughs> no, don't put don't put a bit there. You can't gas him up as an ex player. Like you can't do that. That's like I gas and skip Bayless for for being an ex. You can't do that, bro. Yeah, after Jalen Rose, I had to put him in his place. <laughs> All right. Um. Ryan Hollins is absolutely worthless as a basketball player and as an analyst. Like I, every time he makes a point, he's is just it's not good. It's not valid. Uh, same thing with Kendrick Perkins. Like Kendrick Perkins is like, I don't know. Like I hear, <laughs> I hear the man talk, and I just, I, I mean, I don't know. Like I have a soft spot for him, but just because he's been through so much in his NBA career, as far as getting like dunked on and like shacking, being on shacking the fool and stuff. But I don't know. Like he seems like the type of person. Like he, he seems like. He just talks too much, man. Shut up, man. <laughs> Everything he said, like he has no point to anything he says. Like, I feel like he speak he speaks in circles. He tries to like downplay like other people when he's talking, but at the same time, it's like he just makes himself look even worse. Uh Paul Pierce, I think is I hate Paul Pierce as an analyst. Every big prediction he makes is wrong. <laughs> Always wrong. <laughs> oh man. Um, as far as uh, NFL analysts, I'll probably catch some slack with this. I don't care. Uh, I hate Terry Bradshaw. I I never liked him. He's I, think he's, I I think he's I think he's trash. He old, bro. <laughs> he's old. I don't care if he is old. Old old trash analyst. No, he's polarizing because people either like him or they can't stand him. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. That's that's a good list. That's a good list. Coach Natty T, who you got on your list? Well, so I'll start off with the good first. So yeah, I mean, I like, you know, the guys like Shannon Sharps and um, like you said, I like Candace Parker, love Doris Burke. Uh, they do, you know, they all do a pretty good job. Uh, other ones I actually like are like, uh, uh, man, I'm blinking. Uh, like Greg Jennings on Fox. I think he does a good job. Uh, I mean, I like his points. They're usually well thought out. Um, 
Marcellus Wiley and, and Emmanuel Acho will speak for yourself. They do, they do a really good job. I like watching their show. I think they do. And I like how they give, you can tell it's like their genuine takes right. on things because it's not necessarily just going with what everybody else is saying. Like they give like their genuine takes. And even though, you know, one of them might, I feel like they're wrong, but <laughs> they at least give like genuine takes and like well thought out positions on certain topics. So I like them. Um, I mean, for the most part, if we're going from like a, like a ratio standpoint in terms of former players, whether it's basketball, football, whatever sport it is that end up becoming analysts, most of them actually do pretty good if you think about it. Yeah. Um, you know, because even to go a step further, even like your Michael Strahan's, I mean, you know, he's on Good Morning America. Like that's a pretty good, that's, that's a pretty good gig. Um, you mentioned Tony Romo already. I mean, I know some people don't like him, but it, of course, I he used to get on my nerves as a player. Um, and to be honest with you, somewhat, the, I know it was great to watch sometimes, but when he was predicting plays, but in the back of my head, I'm like, if you saw this play coming, how can you catch right. interceptions on the field, man? <laughs> <laughs> That's what kept exactly. going on in my head. So to be honest, like, I was a little annoyed watching that because he's like, all right, run to the left oh yeah he's gonna throw that comeback how comes you couldn't see that when you were playing for the cowboys tony but regardless that's that's just me being facetious anyway um so yeah i mean mo most of the guys i think that are end up being analysts or at least you know pop up on shows here and there the guys that work for nfl work network mm -hmm. the guys that work for nba tv i think they all do a pretty good job yeah they do now on the other side of the spectrum. <laughs> Scottie Pippen is trash. As I, know. I don't want to hear anything he has to say. He's inconsistent. He's wishy-washy. Like, I can't stand Scottie Pippen. I'm sorry. Like, dude. Man. Like, he's trash to me as an analyst. Anytime, like, I've seen him on um, on the jump or whatever, when they have, I just, I turn the channel. So I'm like, he's just going to contradict. He's either going to contradict himself or not make any sense to what he said the last time he was on the show. Yep. He, he just, he's an idiot to me. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. One. He um, reminds me of a Crypt Keeper. Yeah. <laughs> um, next, Paul Pierce, trash. Like, all his takes are wrong. <laughs> and then he's so obsessed with like LeBron James. It's not even like every other episode. He's like, you know, I was better than LeBron. I'm like, Paul, Paul. shut up, man. <laughs> Anything is a lot. He has something to say against it. Anything. Always, always, always. It's like, whatever. I'm moving on. Um, Kendrick Perkins. <laughs> <laughs> three for three. Kendrick. <laughs> And the thing is, and like you said, what bothers me about him is a lot of his takes are not, I don't feel like those are his real opinions. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. Because mm -hmm. some of the stuff he may say, like, it's not bad, but he just has so many, like, clickbait type stuff, as you said, that it just outweighs the few points that he may say that are somewhat okay. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? So that that's what bothers me about him. It's just, I just feel like he's, and that's how he's worked his way into being like a, a regular analyst on ESPN, mm-hmm. you know? So, cause even like the one classic one is when he tweeted about LeBron being the most athletic player ever in, in the NBA, like just pure athleticism. And then Bill Russell like added him <laughs> I remember me like I I ran track and then they say like, oh yeah 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 my bad my bad to the legend but really he's like think about it that's Bill Russell adding Kendrick Perkins yes so I guess I I guess giving him somewhat credit I guess because he's made himself relevant in that fact but I'm like you're Kendrick Perkins Whatever. I'm <laughs> and I already mentioned this one. R- Ryan Hollins. You know you're bad when ESPN lets you go. Uh, ESPN is like, dude, you suck. Yeah. Like, you know that's bad. Yes. That's horrible. You gotta be really yeah, because all of his takes were, were, were horrible. And you can tell, like, in his, like, um, his year-end review... The bosses were like, yeah, we need to see something. And then the next episode, like he just says something even more ridiculous. I think that's what it sounded like to me. So like, he lost sucked. His job that was, <laughs> was he the one was he the one that said uh Anthony Davis was gonna be the second option behind Kyle <laughs> behind Kyle Kuz? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was, yeah. Just dumb. Ryan, come and on. And then he'll say, yeah, he'll say it with like so much conviction. It's like, dude. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. He's, he's he's trash. He's Second gone. option behind Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. Oof. The, oh, interesting part about, the interesting part about is, you know, you just said that most people that choose this as a career that are athletes are pretty good, you know. And, you know, there's some really good programs that leagues have that help players transition um, through their career. So there's actual classes that athletes could take um, that are accessible. I know the NFL does it. I think the NBA does it too. Mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. And probably some other leagues. But like I, I, that makes it even worse when you're really bad because it's like, bro, <laughs> you have, you don't have to start from scratch. You know, there are people that are still playing that are like, hey, I, I want to do this after I'm done. Let me take some classes and get some, some experience with this. And you still end up being trash on the air. And I, I, but, you know, so kudos to the leagues for providing those opportunities. But um, a couple people I forgot to mention that I, I, I do like Dwayne Wade being added to the TNT team. I think he's, he's been good so far. Uh, I, I actually, the future, he's not done playing yet. I don't mind seeing Draymond Green on TNT. Mm-hmm. No, he's good. He's actually did a, he actually did a good job. I think he did a good job um, filling in there. So I could see him having a career at this. Uh, but yeah, I, Richard Jefferson, like he, he has a balance between, he, he provides some good content, but he's just really funny. I think that's why he gets a pass from a lot of people because it's like, he does share some things, especially when he's calling the games and he doesn't do that all the time. A lot of times he's just on the jump and you see him there, but like he, He's funny, and you can tell it's just him. That's just who he is. Like, he's not being someone he's not. 
And so I think people respect that more, even if you're not bringing as much um, content as far as teaching people what's happening. Uh, you know, but I, I think for a few other people and for Kendrick, you know, I, I'd ask, I really challenged him to, to look at some of the other players who had rough starts, but have done well. Chris Webber wasn't always good on the air. Chris Webber started off really rough uh, being an analyst and calling games. And he's done a really good job. You could tell he's becoming more comfortable. He's found his rhythm. And so he's become some, someone I like listening to. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, Michael Vick is trying is figuring it out he's not there yet. Um, but it's like when he talks, he's not saying anything for like, you know, click value. He's just I, he just needs a little bit more um, time to help articulate what he's thinking. I think sometimes he has trouble getting it out. Like he has it in his mind, but he has trouble getting it out sometimes. So he's improving. Uh, so I look at Perk like, you know, you don't have to go that direction. You can still be valid. Uh, and just work on 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 really just kind of rolling your stuff out there, finding your your groove and your vibe and what you bring to it, you know. So, yeah. But, but yeah, book. And then I I mentioned Booger McFarlane too. Yeah, he's that dude's trash. He's bad. He's, he's man. Look, I don't want to hear anything else from Nick Wright. Unless <laughs> talking about some hair product. <laughs> Uh, Nick Ray, he he can he can be irritating sometimes. Like, but he's like he's he to me he's using the skip. I think I've mentioned this before. He's using that skip Bayless model. Yeah, there's certain players that he likes, and then you know if you say that whoever is better than they are, they just like over like over over bloviate about him. Mm-hmm. That's that's what he does. Because some points he makes like I aren't bad, but like because even. I feel like he's single-handedly going to have people hate Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs yeah. like him. <laughs> yeah. So like it's stuff like that where he just goes like way overboard. It's like, dude, it, like it's it's borderline make you not want to like the Chiefs if you listen to him all day. That's right. That's why I don't listen to the first things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why I just I yeah. can't. As as like, there's certain Carter- topics like. After, you know, because when I'm working out in the morning, usually they come on around that time. So, um, you know, after I watch my, my Bloomberg, but <laughs> like whatever topic, like depending on what topic it is, like I, I have to like in between my reps or whatever, I'm like, I, I got to change it because he's just going to annoy me. Yeah. Brandon Marshall yeah. does a pretty good job. Yeah, Brandon Marshall does. Yeah, Brandon Marshall does pretty good. But yeah, I mean, like I said, like most most of the athletes are pretty good at the, the analyst gig once they get it there's just like those few guys that are just just horrible because again like scotty pippen man that dude sucks oh sorry bro <laughs> you got six championship rings you were voted the top 50 greatest player yeah. of all time or you were playing you played with the greatest player to ever lace them up in the nba He's either one or two on most people's list. And you still don't know anything about basketball? Like, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah, he's, you know, I, I think he's horrible, man. Man, you know, who would have been an incredible analyst? Kobe. Just, man. Oh, yeah, I mean, I what? still remember that to you uh, when they were doing, when he was doing detail and breaking down like Steph Curry and like James Harden, like during the, uh, 
during during the uh, playoffs. Just, yeah. Yes. No, that was that that was incredible. No, because I heard. Yeah. Um. With I, I I don't know if they went into this, but on TNT because they were thinking about replacing him with uh, putting Kobe on there for for uh, Kenny Smith. So I think that's when Kenny Smith was thinking about being the GM for the Knicks. Yeah, but they were like, oh, no, we're going to get Kobe on there. Yeah, because he was great. Like, a few times he was on there. And even, you know, most of it, all of his interviews he did was great. It was fantastic. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he would have been – he would have been great. Hey, he did it, too, you know, on the NFL side. Right? I just don't think – I don't think he wants to do it. I don't think so, yeah. I think he's fine with what he's oh, – Oh, yeah, absolutely, Peyton. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't think he wants to do it because I think – I forgot what show was talking about this because I think – when you're a, like at least a color commentator, like you have to be okay with being like critical of other guys. Mm-hmm. You have to be at least not afraid of like kind of going there, like like even Troy Aikman, because like as much as he played for the Cowboys, he'll call out Jerry Jones. He will, and I <laughs> he will. That. I yeah, that. yeah. So I don't know if Peyton necessarily like. I think he kind of wants to stay neutral. To me, yeah. that just seems like the vibe I get from him. He just wants to have fun with it and, and yeah. all things on on his, you know, on his time, you know, yeah. his discretion. Yeah, yeah, but I, no, but he would be great. I mean, we'll see what Drew Brees does for Sunday Night Football with NBC. Yeah, I think he'll be pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. Yeah, you know one. Once his coaching career is over, I I'd like to see Doc Rivers. Cause didn't he he used to call? Didn't he used to do color? I think so. I think, I think so, he yeah. did for a little bit, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. no, he yeah he 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 would be a good one too. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree on that one. You know, some of the coaches, yeah, I have really have made very great commentators because they're able to give us some insight that you know a lot of us don't have yeah, just, like steve like, Kerr was really good yeah yeah so i appreciate those type of, of perspectives like taking us behind the scenes what is the coach probably talking about right now um what are some of the coaching mistakes that have been made because i think a lot of people like players are looking at other players but coaches look at the coaches and the players a little mm-hmm. bit more critically so yeah it's, it's nice to hear about that stuff mm-hmm. um, but yeah well, that's it for this episode of the Coach's Box. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Uh, thank you for the continuous love uh, that you, we, we've seen globally. Um, and just, yeah, keep listening. Keep giving us uh, content. We're going to keep putting it out there. Uh, so until next time, on behalf of um, Coach K, Coach Natty T, I'm Coach JP3. Y'all have a great week. Talk to you soon. Thank you for stepping in the Coach's Box.